you're listening to the Living Word Church podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. So I ran into somebody a few weeks ago who hadn't, I had known since I was about 28 years old. And, and the person made this statement, said, Doug, you do not age. Like, you looked exactly the same as when I first met you. And I said, that's because when you met me when I was 28, I looked 45. Like, I, I, I was shaving my head already. I had the dad bod going on already. Like, this is what I look like at 28. So it's not a great feat that I still look like this. Um, you know, my kids go to the same school that I went to. And what's weird is, is when I go to, like, a concert or a sporting event and I'm Standing there in the bathroom looking in the mirror, I'm like, I'm looking in the same mirror that I looked in when I was 12, 15, 18. And I'm just so thankful that Doug at those ages couldn't see me now. Like, I'm so thankful they didn't get the future view of what was coming. But as we dive into Daniel today, we're going to see that God gives him great ability to look into the future, to see ahead. God supernaturally and miraculously shows Daniel what is to come. In fact, the book of Daniel can really be broken up into two parts. The first six chapters are Daniel's history, and chapters 7 through 12 are the prophecy of Daniel. And as today, uh, as of today, we're really into that prophecy section. And, and there's just, I know a lot of the times I'll bring up like a whole bunch of different questions that we want to answer. Today we just have one question that we're going to look at, but we're going to go deep on, okay? And the question is this, why can I trust God with my future? As we look at Daniel chapter 7 and a little bit of chapter 8 today, you're going to see why you can trust God with your future. Even the most intricate details. Listen, even the scary stuff, like the stand before God one day stuff, like the end of the world stuff, even the scariest stuff, we can trust God with our future. And this applies to every single one of us. You know, I often say that I'm throwing shoes out into the crowd, and you just go ahead and put on the ones that fit, you know? Like, I'll bring up a different point, and if that point hits you, then wear it and own it and go use that, right? But today, I'm just throwing one old big shoe out into the crowd, right? One big shack size 23 shoe that I think fits all of us here in the room today, because I want to tell you 12 reasons why you can trust God with your future. And I think this, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this matters to you as much as anybody else here today. I think you're going to see a powerful God who is amazing when it comes to being able to orchestrate our lives. And it doesn't mean that there's not disappointment, and we'll see that, and we'll be real about that. It doesn't mean there's not hardship, and we'll see that, and we'll be real about that. But man, we can sit at peace about our futures. And I want you to see how much God's love is just wrapped up in all of this. And I'm not going to lie, we have some pretty interesting stuff to look at today. As you get into the prophecies of Daniel, it's pretty intense stuff. And so we're going to just wrap our hearts around what God wants to say to us today. Uh, Who was Daniel? Daniel was a guy who was taken from his home of Jerusalem as a teenager, and he's been serving in Babylon and then served many kings uh, throughout the rest of his life, basically as a servant in a foreign land. And so far, we've seen God do amazing things in Daniel's life and through Daniel's life. Joey did an awesome job last week preaching about Daniel and the lion's den and what God did there. Now, today's going to be a little bit different than the rest of the series because as I started studying chapter 7 and chapters 8, I realized they're really similar. 
Okay, and God gives very similar pictures in both. So what I want to do today is we're going to go verse by verse through chapter 7, and I'm going to draw in a few points from chapter 8, but they're so similar, I don't want to go do chapter 8 next week again, all right? So we're going to jump to chapter 9 next week, but today we're going to kind of tackle 7 and a few elements of chapter 8, which just highlights some pretty powerful stuff. So check out Daniel 7 verse 1 says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. And visions passed through his mind as he was lying in his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. And Daniel would have been about 68 years old now. Remember, when we first met Daniel, he's a teenager. He's about 68 years old now. And you, re- you might remember a few weeks ago, we saw in the, in the chapters that we looked at, Belshazzar, King Belshazzar, die. Okay, that was the whole like handwriting on the wall one. We, we saw him die. So now you're like, well, wait, why is he alive again? We saw him die two weeks ago. Well, because as we've been talking about, Daniel, the chapters aren't written chronologically. And he bounces around a little bit, like a Christopher Nolan movie, you know, bounces around a little bit, tells different chapters of his story. And so he's bouncing back now. And he's talking about a time when he had these dreams and visions that Belshazzar was still alive. And he's able to interpret by God's grace, what is going on? And so it says this in verse 2. Daniel said, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. So he sees, you got a picture. This is very pictorial, okay? Are you picturing four beasts coming up out of the sea? Okay, that, this is what he sees in the vision. And, and, and really what these beasts represent are rulers of nations and nations. And that's not foreign to us, right? Like we have an eagle that represents America, right? There's, uh, you know, the bear of Russia, the great panda of China, right? We're, we're used to animals representing different things. Even think of like sports teams have different mottos or, or different caricatures, right? Like, like mascots. I even think of the ducks. We've been to uh, some ducks games and they've got Quacker Jack. You guys friends with Quacker Jack? Here's Bryn and Cade many years ago Quacker Jack. You're like, why is it landing in the picture? Because he was terrified of Quacker Jack. He wouldn't go near him. But this isn't strange to us that animals would represent something. Okay, so animals are going to represent the different people and nations that Daniel's seeing. So in verse 4, it says, the first, so the first of these four beasts was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. And as we know, the first nation we, we saw here was Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. And we learned a lot about him through the series, and we learned a little more detail about it here. It says, I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of the human was given to it. Okay, now that seems really deep and confusing, but it's actually really powerful because of what we already know about Nebuchadnezzar from this series and what we know about Babylon. Historically, we know that gigantic winged lions stood at the gates of the royal palaces in Babylon. So Daniel has his vision, and it's very clearly Babylon. The other thing is, if you remember a few chapters ago, do you guys remember that Nebuchadnezzar like, went a little crazy? Remember we talked about that? He lost his mind, and he began to act like an animal. And if you think about the description that was given of him, it was kind of like this. Like he kind of looked like a bird, right? Like kind of like bird-like. He had those long hair and his nails grew out and he lost his mind. And then his mind was restored to him, which is exactly what these verses said would happen. Then we go to verse 5. It says, and there before me was a second beast. So we looked at the first one, Nebuchadnezzar, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on its side and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. You're going, man, I should read the Bible more. I didn't realize this stuff was in here. This is some pretty graphic stuff, isn't it? This is the Medo-Persian Empire. Now, this is cool, okay? Some of you guys, everybody say, so what? Okay, some of you guys are like, so what, Doug? I don't care about a bear eating ribs and all this, right? Like, what does all this mean for me? Well, this is so powerful when it talks about our future and trusting God with our future. Because 
Daniel is now prophesying. Remember, King Belshazzar is still alive. The Medo-Persian Empire hasn't killed him yet. So Daniel, 20 years, decades before that happens, is seeing what's coming, is seeing what's going to happen. And I just think that's so incredibly powerful. And chapter 8 goes even to more detail about the Medo-Persian Empire and what will happen, which you could check out on your own time. But I just want to let you know, if the Lord knew what was going to happen in Daniel's future 20 years out, everybody look at me real quick, he can handle your week. He can handle tomorrow. He can handle what's going on today. He's got you. Okay, everybody? I know it sometimes doesn't feel like it, but he's got you. So answer number one to why can I trust God with my future? He is sovereign over your future, everybody. I just pray that such peace just falls on us today. Again, it doesn't mean everything's perfect and everything's easy. I'll tell you a little bit about it a little later, but I just lived a really hard week of my life. But man, God is still there, and he is still sovereign over our future. And I want to remind you, the fact that he's sovereign doesn't make us robots. I know I keep bringing this up, but I think it's important because I think this is something that we, we kind of messes with our heads a little bit, right? doesn't mean we're robots. Like you look at the book of Daniel and, and they're praying and, and asking God to change things, right? And they're making choices and standing up for what matters and those choices are real. And so just because God's sovereign doesn't turn us into robots, but it's amazing how he uses all the different things in our lives, everybody. So, so just look at me real quick. Everybody going through stuff today, he's going to use it somehow. He's still sovereign over our lives, even the stuff we didn't see coming, even the disappointing stuff. Let's keep going. Verse six. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. So I want you to picture this. Picture a leopard in your mind, and on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. And this beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. So this is the kingdom of Alexander the Great of Greece, represented by a leopard. And imagine a leopard, which is really fast, with wings on it. Makes it crazy fast, right? And what is so interesting is that Alexander the Great, his ability to overtake nations was very speedily. It was really quick. So I want you to read with me what John Walvoord said. He says, With the swiftness of a leopard, Alexander the Great conquered most of the civilized world, all the way from Macedonia to Africa and eastward to India. Press, uh, excuse me. Uh, the lightning character of his conquest is without precedent in the ancient world. And this is fully in keeping with the image of his speed embodied in the leopard itself and the four wings on its backs. So like just the speed of which this would happen is incredible that Daniel would know this. Daniel's writing in 553 B.C., this wouldn't happen until 200 B.C., so, uh, or 200 years later, rather. 200 years ahead of time, God's going, hey, Daniel, here's what's going to happen. And I want to take it even a step further. This is so cool. Remember, if you, if, you, if you were picturing the leopard, it had four heads, right? Well, Alexander the Great, we're just going straight up history right now. So all the history nerds are like, yes, more of this. And all the rest of you are like, shut up. But, but the, the amazing thing about this is that there's these four heads on these leopards because eventually Alexander the Great's kingdom was divided into four different leaders. So four different leaders took over the one kingdom. And Daniel saw a leopard with four heads. Like, you know, you see what I'm saying here? Like the intricate details that God brings up in each of these prophecies is just incredible. So answer number two, why can I trust God with my future? He is sovereign over the most intricate stuff. The most intricate details of our lives that, you know, this, this whole nation and Alexander the Great would be speedy and, and conquer things quickly. And there'd be four branches of, these, of this leadership eventually. And just like, it's so crazy intricate. And I just want to encourage you today because some of you are going, but that's great, Doug. He was a great leader over a whole kingdom and I'm just me. And like my intricate details are like really small compared to something like that. But let's just pause for a minute. 
If God was writing the future and knew what was going to happen in the life of a pagan king who didn't even love him, you think he's going to forget you and leave you? You're his kid. You're his child. He loves you so much. You think he's going to forget about you? You think he's not walking with you again, even in the hard stuff? Listen, especially in the hard stuff. Let's keep going. Verse 7. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. And this is the Roman Empire. So guys in the room, I'll just ask you, how often do you think about the Roman Empire, right? The Roman Empire officially ended in the 400s AD. That means when Daniel was writing, he's writing 900 years ahead. God's showing him things that were going to happen 900 years later. Is he not able to lead and direct you? Is he not able to speak to you? I bet every hand in the place would go up if I asked the question, anybody trying to make a decision right now? Anybody got an important decision you have to make? I bet most hands in the room are going to go up because we all have things that are happening. And in both chapter 7 and chapter 8, we've seen four different kingdoms represented. But everybody, there's a fifth kingdom we're going to talk about in just a minute. And it changes everything. In the next part, he talks more about the, the fourth kingdom of Rome. It was different from all the former beasts. It had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn. Now we're getting into it, church. Everybody say, whoa. All right, here we go. A little one which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. So the horns are prominent leaders during the reign of Rome, but there's this eleventh horn refers to what the Bible talks about as the Antichrist. Who's the Antichrist? He's an end times false messiah that wants to destroy Israel and followers of Jesus. And this is where people start freaking out. This is where we go, oh no, not the end times stuff, Doug. I thought I was safe here at this church. We weren't going to talk about that stuff. But guys, we have to talk about this stuff. A, because the Bible talks about this stuff. But B, today I want you to leave with peace about this. Verse 9, why can we have peace about this? Why, Why can we... Trust God with our future, even the scariest stuff, even the before the throne of God stuff, even the end time stuff. Look what it says in verse 9. As I looked, thrones. Picture this with me. So he's seen all these beasts, all this scary stuff. He sees this antichrist. As I looked, thrones were set in place. Are you picturing that? Just some thrones being set up. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. Anybody know who the Ancient of Days is? It's God the Father. Represents God the Father. Why can I trust God with my future? And this might seem like a a little bit of a, you know, coming out of right field here for a minute, but let me explain. He lives outside of time. Why can you trust God with your future? Because he lives outside of time. That phrase, ancient of days, refers to God's eternality. I bet you didn't use that word this week, right? Neither did I. His eternality, that he's been around forever. And it's because he lives outside of time. Now, there's nothing that makes my head want to explode and spontaneously combust more than the idea that God has been forever. That just hurts my brain. I get a migraine thinking about it. The smoke starts coming out of my ears. It's not pretty, right? But that's because he lives outside of time. You and I live inside of time. It's all we've ever known. So to think, like, how can this God live outside of time? Well, he's God. Like, thank God he lives outside of time. Thank God he's bigger than time, everybody which means some really important things. It means that he's never making a knee-jerk reaction because that's what you and I do because we're forced within the limits of time. He's never making a decision 
lacking information or insight because he lives outside of time. Like, you ever been too close to something and you can't really see clearly, so you got to back up and take a few steps back and get yourself out of it, and then you see clearly? That's never God. He's outside of everything that's happening time-wise and can see it all as if it's all happening right in front of him in the same moment, which, again, makes my head want to spontaneously combust. Okay, so everybody raise your hand if you're an on-time person. Raise your hand if you're an on-time person. Raise your hand if you're a late person. Where's my late people at? All right, good, good, good. Now, I'm a late person. I have to work really hard at not being a late person, and um, I am a time optimist. I like to call myself that. I think that's a nice way to talk about all of us late people, and I'm just like, well, of course I can power wash the house and mow the lawn and cut down a tree. I have a half hour before I have to be at the airport. You know what I mean? Like, there's no problem with that, and then it just takes one time of running through an airport terminal watching your plane fly away that you realize you live inside time too, right? It changes everything. But here our amazing God is outside of time. And so all that great pressure we feel, like all those knee-jerk reactions because what if, and and I don't know, I just can't see it all. That God sees it all. That's why he can tell Daniel what's going to happen 900 years later. That's why the Bible is full of 300 and something prophecies about Jesus coming hundreds of years before he ever comes. Because to God it's just so different. And again, some of you guys might be like, well, this is why I struggle to believe in God. He's, he's, I, don't, I don't get that, but thank God we don't get it. And we say this all the time. If, if you get everything about God, he's not much bigger than you, right? Like my dog doesn't get a lot of things about me, which is a good thing, right? Like that ant that, that you, you didn't even know was in the grass this morning as you were walking to your car can't figure you out, which is really good because you're a lot bigger. And the same is true with God. I also love another thought out of what we just read there. Answer number four, why you can trust God with your future is because God is on his throne. Where does Daniel see God? Sees him sitting on a throne. So powerful. He's not on a phone call trying to get some advice from somebody. He's not like talking with the angels and they're like trying to brainstorm some stuff. He's not, he doesn't have a whiteboard out with pros on one side and cons on the other side like sometimes we do. He's sitting on his throne. So yeah, this past week really stunk. Um, I left last Sunday and woke up Monday, and, and my wife's health has been really bad, and many of you know this. She's been walking with us for years and years, and, and so wake up Monday, and she's just in a horrific place, the worst place I've seen her in years, and so uh, we take her into Brooklyn to NYU, and they admit her, and we're there until Thursday. It's just an awful week, man. I mean, just really hard, driving back and forth, and, you know, trying to navigate and help, you know, the kids get them off to school, and they're home, and they have what they need, and it's just a really cruddy week, if I could say it that way, just not fun. And it's like very easy to lose sight of, if there's a throne somewhere, God, and and you're on it, then what's happening right now? Like, why isn't isn't this different, you know? And I'm not going to lie, my wife and I had those moments this week, like, God, come on, like, you're God, like, like what's going on right now? But even in those moments, and this is the peace that I have, and I I just got to tell you, going through that week and, and all these years of what she's gone through and things I've gone through and things we've all gone through, like, I'm just at such peace. As I'm looking over this message, which, by the way, I wrote about a month ago, so it wasn't like I was writing this message this week. And I'm reading it and looking at it going, man, I need this. Like, man, I just need to be reminded that God's still on his throne this week. Man, I need to see he's still with us. Now, we're going to get some really interesting pictures of what God looks like to Daniel in this vision. And like everything else we're seeing here, these are meant to show us characteristics or things that they represent. So I don't really believe that what we're about to look at is what God looks like, okay? But everything that's spoken about represents 
something of his character. And so we're going to dive into this. It says this. This is what Daniel sees. His clothing was white as snow. What does that represent? His purity and his holiness. Why can you trust God with your future? Answer number five. Because he is pure and holy, which means everything he does is pure and holy. Everything he allows is somehow going to work out with a pure and holy outcome. So even the bad stuff, even the stuff we've done, even the stuff he's allowed us to choose to do that was against him, he somehow is able to work out in a pure and holy way for our good and for his purposes and his glory. Amazing. This is why you could trust him. I woke up this morning at 5 a.m. to my dog peeing on my bedroom carpet. And I wasn't like, oh, sovereign God, how, how you reign, you know? I was like, the dog's raining on my carpet. Like, I don't, even the stuff we don't understand. Even the stuff, I was like, I didn't need that 5 a.m. wake up on a Sunday after a week I just had, right? And sometimes it's hard to continue to see, like, Lord, where are you, right? Like, why are you allowing such things? Like, even the stuff we don't understand, he's still somehow going to use purely and for holy purposes. Number six we get to here is we see the hair of his head was white like wool. That represents mature judgments, his mature judgments. Number six, why can you trust God with the future? He makes mature judgments, Like when you're writing out your last will and testament, why don't you surround yourself with a bunch of kindergartners as you figure out and get advice from them where everything needs to go, right? Because they're going to waste your entire portfolio on Sour Patch Kids and temporary tattoos of princesses and superheroes, right? You need someone around who's going to make mature judgments. See clearly. And that's what God is always doing. Not rushed judgments, not knee-jerk reactions. His his judgments are mature and intentional and right goes on, his throne was flaming with fire. And this represents the purity, knowledge, and judgment of God. And we already talked about the, the knowledge, or the purity and judgment. So number seven, why can I trust God with my future? He has all knowledge. You ever meet somebody who thinks they have all knowledge? Yeah, that's fun, right? They're wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong, but they continue to think they're right. Like, like here is God truly having all knowledge. And why would we ever try to do life without him? Why would we ever true life, try to do life apart from him? If he has all knowledge, and again, he's outside of time, and he can see all things, and he's pure and holy, and every outcome is going to be for our good. Like, what are we doing trying to do life without him? He offers things no one else offers. And his ability to speak to you and I and to direct you and I with knowledge is so important. And you know, I think one of the cool things about God is if he has all knowledge, that means he knows everything about you and me. And he still wants us. Like knowing all that. Like there's no part of our lives hidden from God. And he's still going, hey, why don't you go to Living Word Church this morning and get with some people who love me. And sing your hearts out and be satisfied in who I am. And hear a little message about some pretty crazy stuff Daniel wrote about. And be reminded that I have your future. But, but God, you know like the stupid things I did this week and last night and last month. And yeah, go to Living Word Church and I want to remind you that I have you. Right? Even in the midst of it all. Even with his perfect knowledge. The next part says, and its wheels were all ablaze. Why can I trust God with my future? He's unlimited. Right? You got these wheels on this throne. Right? Like, that's pretty cool. I've never seen a throne on wheels. Like, every time I see a throne in a movie or something, it's just sitting on the ground. But this throne has wheels, which represents what? God could go anywhere and do whatever he pleases. 
He's not limited. He's unlimited. And I need a God who's unlimited in my life. I need a God who could do anything, who could do the impossible, who can do the miraculous, who can show up for my wife, who could sustain our family, who can carry our church, who can get a building built on a property up the street. Like, I need that big God in my life. And it doesn't turn him into a genie, everybody. We have to remember this, right? Because he's also outside of time and full of knowledge and wisdom. And so sometimes we ask God for things that he knows outside of time and outside of our wisdom and knowledge and inside of his wisdom and knowledge are never going to be good for us. And we would actually ask him not to give us those things if we could see what he saw. And so we can trust him with our future because he's unlimited. Verse 10, a river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Okay, so now we don't really like this one because this represents the judgment of God. The judgment of God against sin. The judgment of God against these leaders and these rulers and these nations and the Antichrist. We, we like that. We're like, oh yeah, judge him. But maybe some of you today are going, oh man, but just don't tell me I have to stand there before God's judgment seat. And I would just say to you, if you all look me in the eyes for a second, friend, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. But There's something so powerful we have to know. Why can I trust God with my future, even the scariest stuff? Listen, even before the throne of God type of stuff, because Jesus gave his life for us. That's why I can stand there. Number nine, Jesus gave his life for us. That's why I could trust God with my future. That's probably the biggest reason I could trust God with my future, because Jesus gave his life for me. So when I stand before God, I will not be consumed by him, because Jesus was consumed in my place. Jesus was crucified in my place and he took that wrath and and listen the picture that we get of our God when we see him in heaven is not of a God who's going to consume us with fire but a God who's going to wipe away every tear and embrace us and welcome us I can't wait for that moment I can't wait for this God to wipe every tear to look me in the eyes his loving, perfect eyes, and I I just think it's going to be the most powerful thing, and we're going to get there even further in just a minute, but it keeps going. Thousands upon thousands attended him. So now there's a picture. There's just people around this throne. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were open. So there's this heavenly court going on. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words of the horn. Remember, this is the Antichrist was speaking. I kept looking until the beast, also another name for the Antichrist, was slain, and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. So the Antichrist is boastful, and he's irreverent, and he's unholy, right? And he's, he's mocking, and he's tried to make himself look like a Messiah, and he's misled a whole bunch of people, and here he is judged, and we see God reigning over time, and nations, and evil, like supernatural stuff. Why can I trust God with my future? Even the scariest stuff, even the end of the world type of stuff, reason number 10. Because our sovereign God wins. He's on it. Like our sovereign God wins. In my vision at night I looked. And there before me was like one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Anybody know whose nickname son of man is? Jesus. So think about this. Daniel's writing in the 500 B.C.s. He's writing about Jesus coming. But he's not just talking about his first coming when he's going to come, you know, 500 something years later. This is talking about Jesus' return. So now Daniel's seeing thousands of years ahead. And I just love that God is giving him this insight. And it says he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. So now you got God the Father and God the Son together in this courtroom scene that Daniel's seeing. 
He, Jesus, was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So unlike the Babylonians and the Romans, we have a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Why can I trust God with my future? Reason number 11 for all you note-takers. Everybody else is like, stop counting, Doug. His kingdom will never pass away. Guys, everybody look at me real quick. We're so used to things that pass away. We're used to friendships that pass away, loved ones that pass away, relationships that pass away. We're so used to loss. One of the most beautiful things about our God is that in him eternally there is no loss. You and I will not be touched by loss again once we are with him. Verse 15. I love this verse because it's so real. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit. And the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. So if you're like, this is freaking me out, Doug, so it was freaking Daniel out too. I love that Daniel's just real about it. Over the next several verses, Daniel talks about the angel, about some other things we already looked at. And then Daniel says he wants to know more about one of the beasts and, and about the horn that came up after him. And for some of us, these next few verses are, are again, what kind of freak us out a whole lot. But I want you to have peace about our sovereign God and the way he handles all this. It says here in verse 21, as I watched, this horn, which is again the Antichrist, was waging war against the holy people and defeating them. So the Antichrist is waging war. In chapter 8, we see more about this. And, you know, he's against Israel. He's against the people who follow God. Verse 22, until the Ancient of Days came. Okay, so there's this great war going on. Until the Ancient of Days, Jesus came, or, or I'm sorry, the Father came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. Daniel then explains some of what he talked about, the Roman Empire. And then in verse 25, he says, he will speak against the Most High. So again, this is the Antichrist. He's going to speak against God. He's going to speak against Jesus and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for time, times, half a time. He's going to be blaspheming. He's going to be persecuting. But then it says this. It, it, it set itself up to be as great as the commander of the army of the Lord. It took away the daily sacrifice from the Lord, and his sanctuary was thrown down. Because of rebellion, the Lord's people and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did. And I, I want to just focus on the last few words. This is from Daniel 8, verses 11 and 12. And truth was thrown to the ground. Just think about that phrase for a minute. Truth was thrown to the ground. Does that sound like anybody's society we're living in right now? Truth was just trampled on. There's no such thing as truth. Truth is whatever you want truth to be. If, if it works for you, it's truth. If it works for me, it's my truth. That's not how truth works. It's not how the world works. We all know this, by the way. I think we often go to things like this to try to justify certain things. But we all know this is not how the world works. And I'll give you an example. I encourage you this week to go into Best Buy, Target, Apple Store, wherever you want to go. And I encourage you to take out a dollar. And I encourage you to go to the front and say, yes, I'm here to buy a laptop. This dollar here, to me, equals $1,000. And, and if the person behind the counter has a sense of humor, they'll take the dollar and they'll go and grab an empty computer box with a picture of a laptop on it and tell you, well, this represents an actual laptop to me. So I want you to go ahead and enjoy this. So thank you for the transaction. Right? Like, we know that is not how it works. Truth is truth. And in this time, truth, even now in our world, truth is under fire. But we have to keep going back to actual truth. There are so many things that just are true, that just are. We can rail against them. We can wish they weren't, but... 
I jump off the stage, I'm going to hit the ground because there's a thing called gravity because it's just there and it's true and it's real. And so we have to remind ourselves over and over again that in the midst of all the scariness and all the craziness of this world, there is still a truth we need to return to over and over again. And it's that truth. It's that God who's outside of time. It's that God with all knowledge and wisdom and power and right judgments. Man, he has to be our compass in the midst of it all. Back to Daniel 7, 26. But the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Because like I said, our sovereign God wins. And so yeah, scary stuff and antichrist and this and that. But our sovereign God wins. Keep going. Verse 27. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. Guys, here's the fifth kingdom. We saw Babylon's and Rome and all the Medo-Persians and all that, but there's a fifth kingdom, and it's the kingdom of the Lord, and it's our amazing risen Savior, our King, who's come to rescue us back from death. Why can I trust God with my future? Number 12, because heaven awaits. Eternity with Jesus, not based on who you are, what you've done, not based on the rights, the wrongs, the things that you hopefully you know, did enough to overrule all the bad things. But heaven awaits, and heaven is going to be mind-blowing. We've done a whole series on heaven, and one of the things I always try to bring up when I talk about heaven is this story. And if you've heard it before, I'm sorry, you can hear it again. And if you've never heard it before, I pray it encourages you. But Tim Keller, great theologian and author, said one night he had a nightmare that his family had been brutally murdered. And he woke up, and of course they hadn't. They were fine. His wife and his three sons were all good. And he said that in that moment, it was like such a perfect picture of heaven because waking up from that dream, all that had been wrong had been undone. And that's what heaven is going to be. Heaven isn't just going to be, oh, good and great and nice. It's going to be all the wrongs done against us and by us undone by our amazing Savior where loss will not touch us and sickness will not touch us and I'll never go to NYU Brooklyn. I'll never go to Stony Brook. I'll never, and then praise God for all these locations. They're amazing. I thank God, all you healthcare workers, your angels and God sends. But not one of us will know that. We won't know loss. We won't know death. We won't know mourning. We don't know sorrow. It will be eternity with an amazing God because our great God wins and heaven awaits. Verse 28, this is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Again, if this kind of stuff messes with your head a little bit, it messes with Daniel's head too. But it's powerful that we've seen a God who's able to handle a whole lot. The future, hundreds of years out, thousands of years out, he's able to handle those that will rise up against him. He's able to handle kings and rulers. He's able to handle... Daniel's stuff. And listen, some of you guys might be saying, but, but what if I go through some hard stuff? Like what if some of my worst fears come true, you know? Which we've done a whole series on that too, how like 99% of the time our worst fears don't come true anyway. But, but what about the 1%? I mean, sad to say it, but after living through COVID and everything we've gone through in the last few years, you know, that was definitely part of the 1%, I'd say for most of us. We lived through it and we saw some pretty crazy stuff. But I love in the story of Daniel that every time Daniel goes through something crazy and hard and painful, it's something you and I would look at and say, I could never go through that. God is always with him. God is always walking with him. God is always supplying him strength. God is always directing his life and has his hand on his life so powerfully and supernaturally and amazingly. And like Joey said last week, shutting the mouths of a thousand lines we don't even know about. 
And so we can be at great peace, whether it's this coming year, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 80 years, whatever you got left. I don't think I got 80 years left in me. Nobody needs to be seeing Doug at 125. I'll be looking like Gollum by then. But tell you, you can trust our sovereign God with your future. You can trust our sovereign God. And just in case you slept on me at all or you, or you just missed it, let me just remind you real quick here, as my iPad decides to rebel against me, it's the AI people, it's, it's, it's the Terminator Skynet stuff, I'm telling you. Why can I trust God with my future? Let's go through it. Read it with me on the screens. You ready? He's sovereign over your future. He's sovereign over the most intricate details. He lives outside of time. He's on his throne. He's pure and holy. He makes mature judgments. He has all knowledge. He's unlimited. Jesus gave his life for us. Our sovereign God wins. His kingdom will never pass away, and heaven awaits. Amen, somebody? Man, we can walk in peace. When I came out of the hospital several years ago, if you don't know my story, I was in the hospital for 63 days, almost died a billion times in there, and God saved my life. And, um, but as I came out, I was, I was a pretty, pretty good emotional mess. And um, I mean, even before that, I had been a good emotional mess just from COVID stuff and just, you know, there was so much division and the political stuff and the racial tensions. And we, we lost some people that we love that, that, that passed away. It was just a horrific time. And then me going through, I went through in the hospital, and then coming out, I was just in a really bad place. And so I, I spoke with a Christian counselor for a while. And one of the things that he said to me once was, you know, one of the things you can think about, Doug, when, when the thought's hitting you and you're just kind of freaking out or sad about something or anxious about something, is just, just ask yourself, like, in five or ten years, is this still going to matter, you know? And I was, like, kind of encouraged by that. I was like, but there are some things I could think about that five or ten years are still going to matter, you know? And so I don't remember if he came up with this or I came up with it, but I'll just be humble and say I did. But um, no, I'll give him the credit. I, I'm pretty sure he said something like, all right, well, then we just got to zoom out further. Like, Doug, that thing, is it still going to matter when you're with Jesus? Is it still going to matter when you're in eternity? Is that, is that thing still going to torment you? Is it still going to plague you? Is it still going to make you sleepless? Is it still going to drive you crazy? And that's where I have to go. Because it's number 12, right? Like we saw, heaven awaits. Heaven awaits for you, for me, for my wife. For those of you in the room who are going through it, heaven awaits. And, and, and I think fear is probably the, one of the number one struggles, like, period, worldwide. And today we've seen 12 reasons why we can trust God with our future. And again, it doesn't mean we're not going to go through it. We're all going through it. Just in the few interactions I had before service today about Two or three of you guys already just said to me, how's it going? It's going. How's it going? Hanging in. How's it going? Really hard stuff. But there's a God that we got to keep looking to. He's so much more than a moral compass. Yes, he is truth, and yes, he holds truth, and yes, you know, truth is truth, but he's so much more than that. He loves us so much. He desires a close relationship with us, knowing everything about us, still wanting us. And it's his death and his resurrection that is the clincher. It's his death and his resurrection that drives it home, that we can trust him with our future. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to put your trust in him today. I'd love for you to think about looking to him to be your personal savior. He wants a relationship with you, unique to you. He wants to show you who he is and do wonderful things in your life. And he wants to give you a peace about your future. And we have a sovereign, huge, awesome, wonderful God that we can trust with all of it. Let's pray together. God, we come to you today and just gratitude. Father, thank you that you're on the throne today. Jesus, thank you that you are our conquering Savior. And um, even though we looked at some intense stuff today, 
that God, you, you take it and you drive it down deep into our hearts, into our souls, and, you, and you're able to eradicate and break the back of fear and anxiety and stress and worry and all those things that are plaguing our world right now. I thank you so much that, God, you're just so much bigger than us. I thank you that, God, we can't wrap our minds around you fully, God. Yes, many answers, but I thank you that there's some, uh, some things we just have to look at and go, man, that, that God is just so big. You're just so big. You're so much different than us, and yet you desire a relationship with us. And so, God, we thank you that you're unlimited. We thank you that you're pure, that you're holy, that your ways are pure and holy, that you don't do anything or allow anything that you cannot bring to a place that is pure and holy, that you cannot redeem and bring to a place that is good and for our good. Even our own decisions that you've allowed us to make against you, you can redeem. And God, you're just that big. You're that good. You're that great. I thank you that heaven awaits. I thank you that, God, you can do all that you need to do. I thank you that you write this sovereign plan. I thank you that you're outside of time today. You're not making knee-jerk decisions and rush judgments. I thank you, God, that you can counsel us and give us what we need today, Lord, that there's no knowledge that you're missing today. There's no insight you don't have today, God. I just thank you, Lord, for who you are, God. Lord, we just come to a place of surrender today, God, and we just have to bring all our crap to you, all our pain, all our hurt. Lord, our loved ones who are sick, the loss we've walked through, God, the things we don't understand. And God, we just laid at your feet, God. You're a big, wonderful, loving, powerful God. May we see you clearly, God. I just pray we'll see you clearly today, God. I pray that the hurt in our hearts and the heartbreak we walk through in this life will not cloud our judgment. I pray, God, that the objections and the modern thought will not cloud our, 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 our understanding of who you really are, God. I pray the lie that truth is not a thing anymore will not keep us from seeing the author of truth and the originator of all truth and life. And so we just come to you today, God. What do you need from the Lord today? We, we saw 12 things, 12 reasons that we can trust him. Would you just go to him in prayer? Maybe you just say, Lord, I just need knowledge from you. I need you to lead me. God, I need that unlimited God who can do all things. God, come through. Maybe you'd say, God, I just need the hope that heaven awaits. I need the reality to just wake me up that Jesus has conquered death and is my savior and is alive and for me? What do you need from him today? What, what characteristic of him, what attribute of him do you need to just cling to this morning? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me now and put your trust in him if you'd like to. You just pray something like this with me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I could know you and have a personal relationship with you. Thank you that you know me perfectly and you still want me. Thank you for the grace that you've poured out on my life. Show me how real you are. Put your Holy Spirit in my life and do amazing things. In your name I pray.